Well, it's so good to be back with you all today. And as we uh, were in North Carolina, and I don't know if it was the driving or what, Brittany tells me I'm the world's worst driver, but I, I began to contemplate my mortality. I began to think, you know, one day I, I might die. You know, before, when you're younger, and I'm still young, don't get me wrong, you think, well, you know, I know it's going to happen one day. And then as you get older and as you have children and you, you think, oh goodness, I hope it happens a lot later. But you start to think about these things and you start to think about the fact that, hey, we're all going to die. It's going to happen. And of course, we all know the famous quote from Benjamin Franklin. He says, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. Death and taxes. The only thing we know for certain is one day we're going to die and that our government will always tax us. And that's the only thing that, that really we all can relate to. We all know that lies in our future is one day we will die. And if I can just be honest with you this morning, that's what makes Jesus so relevant to us. Because no one has ever climbed out of the grave except for Him. Death was universal until He came along. And Jesus was raised from the dead. And so, when you look at Jesus' life, when you look at what he, he teaches, the Gospel writer John says that we can only conclude one thing. And this is what he said at, at the very end of his book, in chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. He says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not written in this book. He did many signs that are not written in this book. There's not enough space to write them all down, John is basically saying. But he says, but these that we did write down, that I did write down, I wrote these down, verse 31, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. In other words, the Gospel writer John, the Apostle, he says, hey, you can look at all that Jesus has done. You can look at all of His teaching. You can look at His, his resurrection from the dead. And where you need to end, where you need to land, what you need to conclude is that He is the Son of God. And you need to believe. And you need to believe. And the passage that we're going to look at this morning specifically is John chapter 5, verses 25 and 29, through 29. And as we look at that, we're going to see Jesus' authority on display. We're going to see His authority on display. And, and this passage is going to tell us two things that Jesus has the authority to do. The first one that we're going to see is that He has the authority to give life. And the second one is He's going to have the authority to judge. Now, I just want to comment on those and say only God can do those things. Only the giver of life, the source of life, can give life. Only the one on whom morality is based can execute judgment. Only God can do those two things. And so Jesus is saying, hey, I'm God. Jesus is claiming to be God. And the main thing we're going to see as we read this passage is Jesus is worthy to be worshipped. He's worthy to be trusted in. He's worthy to be believed in because He has the authority to give life and execute judgment. Join with me as we read John chapter 5, 
starting in verse 25, and I'm going to ask that you would stand with me as we honor the reading of God's Word. This is what the Lord Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son also to have life in Himself, and He has given Him authority to execute judgment because He is the Son of Man. Don't marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done, have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Father, as we come to Your Word this morning, I pray that we would see Jesus clearly. That we would see Him powerfully. That we would hear His voice calling to us. That we would see His promises. And that at the end, just like the the one who put His words down in this book, the Apostle John, that at the end of it all, that we would conclude where He does and say that He is the Son of God and that we would trust Him. Lord, help us this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So Jesus has the authority. Follow with me now. He has the authority to give life. He has the authority to execute judgment. He starts by telling us about His authority to give life. To give life. And notice what He says will happen. He says in verse 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. Those who hear it will live. Now what is he talking about here? What is he describing? What's what's going to happen here? Well, I think if you back up to the previous verse, verse 24, and you get context of what he's saying, I think it makes all the difference. Look Look with me there in verse 24. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Notice here, Jesus is saying the same thing as He does in verse 25. He's talking about His voice and those who hear His words. And here He's talking about them believing and passing from death to life. In other words, what Jesus is describing here in our passage is He's describing not a physical resurrection here in verse 25, but He's describing a spiritual one. He's describing the fact that He is going to raise dead people, dead sinners, from their grave. And so look at what He says, the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. The dead, the spiritually dead, We're all spiritually dead by birth. We're all spiritually dead by birth. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how good you think you are. The one thing that we know is that we are born sinners. We are born into sin. We are by default at odds with God. Spiritually dead. And so don't just write this off what Jesus is saying and saying, well, that applies to somebody else. No, it by default applies to all of us. 
It applies to all of us because we are all by nature dead. And what Christ does, he says, is those who hear the voice of the Son of God will live. The voice of the Son of God here simply means his teaching. That's the same thing we see in verse 24. He says, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me, whoever hears his words, his voice, you see both being used here. Jesus says, his teaching is equal to his voice. And what he's describing here, specifically dead people hearing, is the gospel message that he teaches. Jesus teaches the fact that we are all sinners. Jesus teaches the fact that He lived a life that we could not live. I mean, think about it for just a moment. How can somebody who is spiritually dead do anything good or righteous? Now, we may think that it's good and righteous. You may think that, well, I'm a good person and I live a good life. But what Jesus is is saying and what He teaches repeatedly is that even the best that a dead sinner can do does not measure up to what God calls good. And Jesus, unlike us dead sinners, Jesus lives a life that we could not live. He lived a life that met the mark of God's righteousness. But don't miss this. Jesus died the death that we deserve to die. As we just sang, I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. And the judgment that we deserve was placed on Christ. And so Jesus here is saying, the ones who hear my voice, the ones who hear the gospel, the ones who believe, will hear my voice and live. Jesus is describing conversion. He's describing someone coming to Him, becoming a Christian. And when we think about Jesus uh, speaking His voice, and His voice raising people spiritually from the dead, it just makes me think about Lazarus, which we see in John 11. And of course, uh, what what happens there is Jesus' friend dies, and Jesus comes to the graveside, and Jesus raises him with just His voice. Jesus doesn't wave His arms. He doesn't bring angels and fire down from heaven. He simply says, Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. Now, I don't know about you. If you were to walk across in the graveyard and speak, nobody's coming out of the grave. It's just not going to happen. As advanced as modern medicine is, the one thing that we cannot do is we cannot bring someone out of the grave. Now, people are revived, yes. Yes, doctors can revive people, but I'm saying somebody who is dead, and let's just say they've been dead a while, they've been buried, they're not coming out of the grave. But notice the power that Jesus has, the authority that He has. That He can speak, and people come alive. That He can speak to our dead hearts, and our dead hearts will live. And He says that they will live. What does that mean? It simply means that the the life that He's talking about here is to experience true life. To experience true life that's characterized by joy, peace, and fulfillment. Basically, to have life the way that God created us to have. 
to have life that is characterized by our sins being forgiven. No more guilt. No more shame. To have life that's characterized by a relationship with God. A relationship that we were made for. A relationship that fulfills us. He's talking about life and having joy in all circumstances. Having an abiding joy that even the worst of our situations cannot kill. He's talking about having life in the family, the body of Christ, that we're in this together. And I think when I think about the life that Jesus gives, the thing that hits me the hardest is to have life with His presence always with me. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Jesus leaves His, his followers uh, and, and, and He goes up to, to be with the Father and He says, hey, I'm leaving you, but don't worry, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to you so that I will be with you always. Jesus is saying, you're going to live life, true life, the way that God intended us to be. How do we, how do we illustrate that? How do, we, how do we picture that in our heads? Well, the way that I picture it is simply to think back on my own conversion. To think back on the day when I heard the voice of the Son of God and lived. To think about the day uh, where I passed from death to life. And I remember, and, and I, I think some of you can probably relate to this, I grew up in church. I grew up going to church every Sunday. And I, I eventually got to the point where I thought that by going to church, by sitting in a pew, by going through the motions, by checking the right boxes, that God was going to be okay with me, that He was going to accept me. Now, I lived my life the way that I wanted to live it. I was going the course of life that I wanted to go on. I did not, I, God had no authority whatsoever over my life. I was going to do it my way. But I thought, well, if I just go to church and check the boxes, then God will be okay with my way. He'll be okay with me not surrendering to Him. And then I remember one, uh, you know, one time when the youth were, were out hanging out at Pizza Hut and, and our, our, our pastor's wife says, well, I want, you to go to, I want you to go to youth camp. I want you to go to youth camp. I told her, I don't want to go to youth camp. And to make a long story short, I ended up going to youth camp. Got there and the theme of the camp was here for a purpose. Listen, the theme of the camp that I didn't want to go to was, hey, every, every one of you, you're here for a reason. And I remember it did not take long for God to convict me of my sin, to convict me of the fact that I'm not truly following Him and to surrender my all to Him. And I remember on that day, on that night, that Monday night in June of 2003, Matt Warren went from death to life. Matt Warren had his sins forgiven. Matt Warren experienced the start of joy that would go through all circumstances. Matt Warren started a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Matt Warren heard the voice of the Son of God and lived. And I, I want to know, can y'all relate to that? And as you think about what Jesus is saying, put, realize that that connects with your life. If you're a Christian, it connects with your life. But maybe you're here this morning and you'd say, no, that has not happened to me. I'm still dead in my sins. Hey, it can happen. 
It can happen to you. Jesus can take you from death to life no matter who you are, no matter how far gone you think you are. Jesus says those people, that people will hear the voice of the Son of God and they will live. They will live. Notice when it happens. Notice when this this resurrection of our spirit happens. Jesus says the time is coming and is now here. Verse 25. A time is coming, an hour is coming and is now here. Now this is different from what we're about to look at in verse 28. Jesus is going to resurrect everybody physically. But here he's saying the time is coming where I'm going to start resurrecting people spiritually. And notice he says it's happening right now. The Old Testament spoke of God saving people in the future. The Old Testament told of a time that was coming when God would save people. And in the Old Testament, you have hints, you have glimpses of what God was going to do. But it was all future. It was all God saying, I'm going to do this. And then in the Gospels, when Jesus shows up, God's saying, hey, I'm not just going to do something in the future, I'm doing it right now. And in the Gospels, we see Jesus living, Jesus dying, Jesus being raised from the dead. And then in the New Testament and onward, what we see in the letters and as the church progresses is God applying that saving work to people. And so I just want you to see the timing here that God is not telling people, hey, you got to wait for some future thing that I'm going to do before you come alive. He's saying, I'm doing it now. And you might be here and not be a Christian and think, well, I'm just going to wait. But I want you to see the nowness of God. That He is saying, I'm going to do a thing, I'm going to do a saving work, and I'm going to do it now. Today, listen, today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Don't wait. Don't wait till tomorrow to press in. Don't think, well, I'm going to press in when I live more life. Don't think, well, I'm going I'm to start taking, taking Jesus more seriously later down the road. No, now. Now. Jesus tells us an hour is coming and is now here when that will happen. And one final thing I want to note about this is that we are Christ's voice. Church, listen. Church, we are Christ's voice to the world. We are Christ's voice to the world. Notice Jesus is saying, an hour is coming when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Well, how does Jesus speak? He's not here. He's not here. How does He speak? And I just want to point out in the Gospel of John, the Apostle John is very emphatic about the fact that Jesus uses human people, human means, to get His message across. And that's why John the Baptist is brought up so much in the beginning of the Gospel. That's why John the Baptist is there repeatedly. He's saying, hey, how is Jesus going to communicate His message? He's using, for instance, John the Baptist. And people are coming to John and they're saying, John, are you the Christ? No. Are you a prophet? No. But what does John say? What does he he tell people? I'm just a voice. I'm just a voice crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. John's saying, all that I am is the voice. And I just I want to highlight the fact, church, that we, that Christ has chosen, 
that we would carry forth His voice. That we would carry forth His voice. So just follow the logic here. Christ uses human means to proclaim His message. Now let's, let's put all the pieces together. Jesus has the authority to give life. That's what we're looking at right now. Jesus gives life to those who hear His voice and respond. And finally, we carry forth the voice of Jesus. You get where, where this is going? That if we are silent, if we are silent, the voice of our Master is also. Church, that means that if His voice has the power to save people, then we must tell them about Jesus. We must open our mouths. And it is the, the highest injustice, church, for us to have the voice of Jesus for us to have the gospel that can bring life and choose to close our mouths and be focused inwardly. But rather we see Jesus speaking and giving life and that means, hey, we've got to open our mouths and tell people about Him. We must open our mouths and tell people about Him. Jesus has the authority to give life. We see in the, the second thing that He highlights is Jesus has the authority to execute judgment. He has the authority to execute judgment. Notice what he says in verse 28. He said, don't marvel at this. You can probably imagine him saying, people are going to hear the voice of the Son of God and they're going to live. You can, I could just see some of, the, some of the listeners, their jaw dropping. And Jesus says, hey, don't marvel at this. You in other words, he's saying, hey, you haven't seen anything yet. A day is coming when everybody who's in the grave will rise. Don't marvel at this, for an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear His voice and come out. In other words, Jesus is not just doing a thing now. He's not just resurrecting people spiritually now, but there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to resurrect everyone who has ever lived. It's going to happen in the future. Jesus is going to speak and people will come alive. Leonardo da Vinci will rise. Moses will rise. Napoleon will rise. Julius Caesar will rise. Stephen Hawking will rise. Steve Jobs will rise. Barbara Bush will rise. And they will face Him. And He will judge. And notice the outcome Notice the outcome, he says, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. Well, what is good and what is evil? If that's what it seems like he's basing it on here, if he's saying the people who do good will go on to experience life, and those who don't, who do evil, will go on to face his judgment, his wrath, what makes the difference here? Now, we may be quick to jump up and say, well, he says it, it's good. If those who do good, well, I do good. I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. So, of course, I'm going to be on the life side of things. But I think as soon as we jump and make that assumption that we're good, you have to realize that we're dead. That we may think we're good, 
that we may think we do lots of good things, but none of it measures up to God's standard of what He calls good. You see in verse 24 how we do a good thing, how we do good, how we be found on the life side. And in verse 24, he simply says, which we've already read, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me is the one who has eternal life. You want to be found on the life side of judgment? The way to do it is to trust Christ. The way to do it is to believe in Him. To receive Him as your God, as your Savior, as your King. Why is it this way? Why does Jesus have the authority to do this? Look at verse 27 and see. And He says, And, he's, and He, God, has given Him, Jesus, authority to execute judgment because He's the Son of Man. Jesus is very clear why He has the authority to judge like this. And He says, because I'm the Son of Man. And of course, He's calling, He's, he's referencing Daniel chapter 7. Daniel sees a vision, and this is what Daniel says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, all nations, all languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that will never be destroyed. Daniel sees a vision of the coming Messiah. What he calls the Son of Man coming up before God Almighty, the Ancient of Days, and being given authority and dominion and glory and a kingdom. And Jesus, when He's saying, I have the authority to do this because I'm the Son of Man, Jesus is saying, hey, I am that person that Daniel was describing. I am the Messiah that you are expecting. I am the King that will reign over the earth and I have authority. And because I have authority, I have the right to judge. I have the right to judge. One of our favorite lines in our culture today is, you don't have the right to judge me. Of course, we say it to each other. I mean, as soon as somebody kind of flashes those judgy eyes at you, you at least think in your head, you don't have the right to judge me. As you drive through McDonald's and you order a large fry, and you, they know that you should be ordering a medium fry, and they kind of look at you, you're thinking, you can't judge me. You don't have the right to judge me. What I'm saying here this morning is Jesus does have the right to judge us. And He will do it. And I want you to see, I want you to see that the one who has the authority to judge, don't miss this, this is so important. The one who has the authority to judge you is the very same one who has the authority to give you life. In other words, it would be a shame for you to enter into His judgment to face God's wrath when the very one who judges you is the very one who is pleading with you to come. The very one who says, if you hear my voice, you will get life. If you believe in my name, you'll have eternal life. And so the question is, what will you do 
with this Jesus. You might be here and you might have been just like me. You might be a regular or you might come to church semi-regularly and just think, well, I'm checking the boxes, but I'm, I really live life my way. And maybe for the first time you're realizing, I'm dead and I need Jesus to make me alive. I've been running this life long enough and I have come to a point where I'm ready to say, Lord, take control. You have the authority, Lord, give me life. I will follow you. And if that's you this morning, if that's you this morning, in just a moment, we're going to sing a song and I'm going to invite you to come. I'm going to invite you to do something a little strange and get out of your seat. We're all going to be standing up and I'm going to ask you to come down and just speak with me for a second. Maybe if you're here this morning and you are a Christian, the question still applies. What will you do with this Jesus? But for you, the answer will look differently. For you, the answer may be, I'm seeing Jesus today and being reminded that He's in authority over me and I need to be reminded that I've got to, I've got to yield my life every day to Him. Because even as Christians, we have the tendency to stray. Even as Christians, we wander. Our hearts are fickle. And we need to be reminded today of the King that we serve. That He has the authority over us and He has the right to tell us what to do. That He is our King. Jesus has authority to give life. He has the authority to execute judgment. What are you going to do with Him? In just a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to sing softly and tenderly. Jesus calling. Calling to you and to me. See on the portal, He's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Come home. Come home. Ye who are weary... You're running. Come home. Earnestly, tenderly. Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner. Come home. Father, our prayer this morning is that You would cause us to see just how glorious You are. Because, Lord, in, in the busyness of our lives, we often forget We often forget, Lord, we often forget the fact that you have authority over us. We often forget, Lord, those of us who are Christians, that we've surrendered to you. So, Lord, for those of us who are Christians, I pray that you would cause us to take you seriously. to renew our commitment to surrender everything to You. But Lord, I pray even more for the one in here who does not know You. That today would be the day that they hear the voice of the Son of God and live. I pray that, that the one who, who doesn't know You here would, would see, maybe for the first time ever, 
That You are not just sitting there waiting at the end to judge us, but Lord, You are here and now offering us life. Lord, have Your way here in Jesus' name.